We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to this episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. We are here today to preview the Baltimore Ravens game. Lots of history between these two teams, the Titans and the Ravens. I'm your host, Justin Graver, joined, as always, by Justin Mello. We're just chilling watching this Thursday night football game while we preview this matchup. How's everything tonight, Justin? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Happy to be doing this as always. Yes, me too. Very happy to be previewing this game. The Titans are looking to get back on track, but so are the Ravens. Both teams are one and two in their last three games. Titans actually are one and three in their last four games. But before we talk about this matchup, let's catch up a little bit on some news and some things that have happened. The Titans have the weirdest punter situation in the NFL. Earlier this week, Ryan Allen was released. Then on Thursday, Ryan Allen was re-signed to the practice squad. Trevor Daniel was promoted from the practice squad. The same Trevor Daniel who shanked a 17-yard punt last week's game. The week after Ryan Allen had like six amazing punts against the Bears, something like that. What the heck's going on with these punters? Yeah, I mean, what what, what else is there to say? Um, the decision initially was shocking. And we covered that, um, you know, prior or after the Colts game, sorry, uh, because obviously we did that episode uh, at the end of the Colts game. But the decision was shocking. Uh, if that decision was shocking, I mean, this one's even more astounding, right? I mean, surely everybody uh, at the end of that game said, wow, that was a really weird decision. Well, I'm sure they're going back to Ryan Allen next week. So it, it's even more, like I said, it's astounding. It's even more shocking uh, to see them sticking with their decision, and, and hopefully it doesn't it doesn't bite them in the butt again. What, and what this else can is you a, really say, right? It's it, it seems like it's a stubbornness that they're showing in, in making this decision. So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. It's so weird because the staff hasn't really shown a big. They've they've done a good job of like admitting when they made a mistake and moving past it and getting better and moving on. You know, with the cutting of all the guys they cut, Vic Beasley, Jonathan Joseph, whatever. Holy this doesn't God. seem. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on here. They, they're doing the opposite. They're like, it's like they're afraid to admit that they made a mistake with the punter after just one week. Like, oh, you can't make such a, a decision after one week. Let's give him another chance. Like, I don't want to give him another chance. And well, <laughs> would it be, how absolutely shocking would it be to see two punters active on the active game day roster this weekend? I, I, I wouldn't see the need for it, to be honest with you. I mean, they've already promoted Daniel to the 53-man roster, why do that if you plan on bringing up Ryan Allen from the practice squad? It wouldn't make any sense to me. So, no, I imagine that Ryan Allen will not be called up and he'll be inactive. And if he isn't, um, I'm not going to feel bad for being wrong because it's stupid. It would be stupid to bring two punters to the game. Just bring the one that you're confident in. It doesn't make any sense to do so. So I'm not expecting that. Agreed. And the Titans, of course, special teams has been a disaster all year. So we'll see if they can right the ship this weekend against Baltimore, who... If you just look at special teams DVOA on Football Outsiders, they're the number two special teams unit in the NFL by that metric. They're just a generally good special teams unit. The Titans have struggled across the board on special all phases of special teams, kickoff, kick return, punting, 
field goals, like every element. So that could be a big deciding factor in this kind of game. You hope that it doesn't come into play. Looking at other potential deciding, deciding factors to me is the fate of Adoree Jackson. As we record this on Thursday night, Adoree Jackson has not yet practiced. We talk about this every single week, the kind of impact he's going to make when he returns. So I won't spend too much time on it. Just to say that Adoree played in the playoff game last year against the Ravens really well. He was one of the key reasons the Titans defense was able to get off the field. He was sticky in coverage, pass, knocking down passes. So if he can't go, I definitely feel not as confident about this Titans defense. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on with Adoree Jackson, right? We sound like a broken record every single week waiting for Adoree Jackson to return to the field. Uh, again, I, I, I still, it amazes me when I think back to week one and think, oh, Adoree's out for this game. Well, that's kind of a bit of a surprise. You know, we know he got kind of got banged up in practice, but, uh, you know, well, that, that stinks. He's, he's going to miss this game. You know, fast forward, we're heading into game number 10, and uh, there's a good chance we're still not going to see Adoree Jackson this Sunday. I mean, are you expecting him to play at this point? Because I'm not. Not, I mean, maybe he practices Friday and surprises everyone, but based on the fact that he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, you almost think that the team activated him with that 21-day window. He was practicing. He was getting ready to come back. And the only possibility in my mind right now is that he suffered a setback because, I mean, you you talked about this, and we, we talked about it when we had Glennon on even. That's how long ago this was at this point was that it was kind of weird to have him activated to return so early if they weren't planning on actually bringing him back. And I kind of said, well, it's not that weird. This, this happens sometimes. I'm done with that. It's freaking weird. Something's going on. My, my guess is he suffered a setback and they can't put him back on IR because it would end. it's like a setback that's only going to be a few weeks. So it's not. they just have to burn but, the roster spot on him now because if they put him back on IR, they lose him for the whole year. My question is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, why keep that a secret? To my knowledge, yeah. they have not come out and said anything regarding him pretty much whatsoever. I mean, out, you know what I mean? Outside of typical coach speak and, and media jargon, why not just come out and say, yeah, he's over to setback and, you know, we're monitoring him uh, day, week to, day to day, week to week. They just haven't come out and said anything. And it's just made the situation 10 times weirder than it needs to be. What What is so secretive about someone suffering a setback? I don't know. This is a Vrabel thing ever since Vrabel took over. Remember back, I think this might have been his first year, 2018, when Corey Davis first wasn't practicing every practice of training camp. And everyone was like, what the heck, Corey Davis? Is he hurt? Why isn't he out there this day? And it was like a week of this went by where like Corey would miss every other day or something. And then finally, like somebody got word that they were just like using lots of advanced tracking data to like see his load management and, and like make sure he that's, wasn't being overworked, right? That's and it different was like, to me, though. But, to be but honest with you. That, that's my, different. My, wrong with a maintenance well, day. No, no, no. My point is that Vrabel let us all think that Corey Davis was, like, injured right, or weak or, or not ready to, like, battle through some injury in training camp when really it was just, like, this maintenance day thing. It's the same deal. Like, you can – everyone was – my point is everyone was criticizing Corey Davis in the media, fans, whatever, like, calling him soft. And, like, you can protect your players from that criticism by just explaining the – problem the same exact thing with Adoree Jackson you're seeing people on Twitter saying like two weeks ago before the trade deadline oh just trade him at this point I'm done with Adoree Jackson this guy's got to play through the injury like you don't know what his injury is stop saying he's got to play through you have no idea what's going on but that's to your point like they think that they're protecting the players because if they put out a timetable and that player doesn't make it back within that timetable then it's like oh this guy is soft he didn't make it back by the time they said he would he's he should be ready to go and he's not but 
so they're trying to avoid that. But at the same time, it's like, it, I mean, to me, it's a, it's going to happen either way. So you might as well protect the players when you can, when you can put that extra info out there and remove the question of, is this guy just soft, which I don't think is the case, but right. they never have wanted to do that. I don't know why. Yeah. And I think it's silly for anyone saying stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm nowhere near, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, he's soft. Know, yeah. it's ridiculous that anyone would say something like that. My beef is more with how the Titans have handled it, right? The secrecy around it. It's just, it, it, they, they, again, they've, they've brought this discussion upon themselves and I'm obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure they don't care, but it, it's just an odd situation. And it just is very, very strange. Yeah. And we've been monitoring the the week of practice to try and figure out if there's any kind of pattern. And we have noticed some patterns, right? Like AJ Brown, pretty much misses every Thursday at this point. And people don't, teams don't typically use Thursday as a rest day, but I, we haven't seen it more commonly this season. And I'm not really sure what the reason is, but like the Ravens gave three guys off on Thursday, just not, not injury related reasons. Just take the day off this week. Corey Davis was off yesterday, but um, yeah, AJ Brown's been missing Thursdays all season long. Jadeveon Clowney didn't practice. Um, there's three guys on the offensive line that haven't practiced yet this week. Dennis Kelly, Roger Saffold and Ben Jones. So, I mean, the Taylor Lewan's already out. There's a, <laughs> is there a realistic chance that Nate Davis is the only healthy starter on the offensive line this weekend? I don't think so, but we're just left to guess because we don't actually have any information. The injury report is very lengthy this week. Yeah, I would like to think not. Uh, again, we'll get a better idea this morning, Friday. Uh, you know, again, that, that's kind of been the case all season long, right? Don't pay too much attention to the Titans injury report until Friday. Because as you said, Vrabel gives these guys a ton of maintenance days, and rightfully so. It's a long season. Yeah. They had their bye week fairly early because of COVID, uh, the COVID situation that they went through. So, you know, it, it makes sense to give these guys some days off and some load management. But the O-line certainly looks banged up now, but hopefully uh, it'll look a lot better on Friday. And, and, and most of those guys will be able to play on Sunday. Right. And that's what my expectation is. So when we look at this injury report, and again, we'll know more on Friday, it seems to me like Michael Pruitt, Adam Humphreys, and Adoree Jackson are the guys who are realistically in jeopardy. And I would not expect to see Humphreys or Pruitt at all, just because those guys had legitimate injuries. We saw the hit Humphreys took. He still hasn't practiced since taking that hit. Pruitt has a knee sprain. They said it's not going to keep him out as long as they initially thought, but still looks like he hasn't practiced yet this week. Probably won't play against Baltimore which is a bummer because he was out there throwing some key blocks for Derrick Henry in January when the Titans played the Ravens. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I certainly would not expect to see Adam Humphreys or, or Michael Pruitt here. So let's get into this game a little bit. Obviously, I mentioned it at the top, a ton of history going back to when they were division rivals, the Oilers and the Ravens, and then the Titans and the Ravens have always been hated foes, bitter playoff defeats, and the days of Eddie George versus Ray Lewis. I mean, so much history here in this franchise. And, you know, the Ravens knocked the Titans out of the playoffs when they were the number one overall seed in their first playoff game back in 2008. The Titans were paid the favor last year to the Ravens, the 14-2 and Ravens, knocking them out in the first round. But I think a lot of Titans fans will probably be going into this game with some confidence based on what happened in January but also a lot of hesitation because of the way that this team has played lately. One in three, the last four games defense looks like an abomination. Now they are not the worst third down defense anymore. They were the worst, but they did well enough against Indianapolis that Carolina is now the worst third down defense by a couple percentage points. Still 31st though. So nothing to write home about. 
when you look at this game, you know, the you think of the Ravens, you think vaunted rushing attack, high powered offense, but that hasn't really been the Ravens this year. What are you looking at this week as as we head into this matchup? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because obviously this is a big matchup. It's a, it's a great rematch from the playoffs. Um, they're, you know, both teams are six and three. It's a big game in, in the playoff picture. The Raven, there's the revenge factor, of course, uh, on the Ravens' mind. But it's interesting because the way both of these teams are playing right now, I think takes some of the shine off of this game. Both of them, yeah. you know, Titans have lost three of their last four and, and are somewhat reeling. The Ravens, I believe, have lost two of their last three. And, you know, Lamar Jackson's taken a bit of a step back. The offense is not nearly the dominant unit that it was last season. It, both teams are, are entering this game in very different situations than they were in in that exciting playoff game. Yeah, and honestly, this is a must-win game. I mean, it's not a must-win game in Week 11 because there's more games on the schedule and there'll be time. Like, mathematically, it's not a must-win game. But it feels like a must-win game Two six and three teams. There are six, I think, AFC six and three teams right now. In addition to the Titans and the Ravens, you have the Browns, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Dolphins. And all of those teams, every six and three team, is currently ahead of the Titans in the playoff current playoff stand. If the playoffs started today, the Titans are out. The Ravens are in at number seven, which is the new spot that wasn't even a playoff spot before 2020. So neither of these teams would would have been in the playoffs at this point last year, which is an interesting thing because they're both six and three. They're both two teams that you would think have, you know, coming into this season had Super Bowl aspirations, I would say. So this is very much a must win game. The Titans schedule looking forward. They got three more games against six win teams coming up with the Colts next week and the Browns and the Packers further down the schedule. Then they have the Jags and the Texans in addition to that, which those aren't good teams, but division games are always tough. It took a, a last second field goal and an overtime drive to beat those teams earlier this year. And the last game they have is against the Lions, which the Lions aren't a good team, but Matt Patricia was actually Mike Vrabel's linebackers coach for two years in New England. He's going to have a lot of familiarity with this Titans team. And so that, that could be a tough game, um, you know, the Lions, if they're healthy at that point. So my point is, looking at the Titans schedule, there are no easy wins left. It's going to be a slog the rest of this year. But the Titans, if they win on Sunday, and if the Packers happen to beat the Colts, which is a tough matchup for the Colts, the Titans can retake the driver's seat of this division for their spot in the playoffs. Right, right now, they don't control their destiny anymore. Win a couple games, that can all change, but it all starts on Sunday. In your opinion, how important is this game for the Titans? Yeah, it's a very important game. Again, they've already lost you know three of their last four, um, and, and they can't continue to lose. Right? You said that the playoff picture in the AFC is jam-packed. There's a lot of teams at 6-3. and three. Titans, I believe, aren't currently even in the playoffs if they were to start right now. Right. And that's kind of a rude awakening for a team that started five and oh. So this is a very it's an important game for both teams. But obviously, you know, we're covering it from the Titans angle. This is an incredibly important game for the Titans. Incredibly important. And when you look at how to stop the Baltimore Ravens, I've been writing my scouting the opponent for BroadwaySportsMedia.com, of course, as I write every week and looking for weaknesses to write about here and you know, it's kind of wild looking at how the Titans defense was able to stop the Ravens last year because some of the biggest key contributors are not Titans anymore or they're just not playing at the level they were playing last year. You have Jarrell Casey had a strip sack last year. He was traded. Logan Ryan was the leading tackler in that game. He's now a New York Giant. Kamale Correa had probably his best game as a Titan. He's uh, now been traded to the Jaguars. Adoree Jackson was excellent in pass coverage. Who knows if he's going to play? Kenny Bucaro and Kevin Byard 
both had interceptions in last in January's game. Those guys have been not playing like themselves this year, even at all. David Long played 46 snaps and had six tackles, I think, last year in that game. He's on the COVID list, so he's not eligible to play. It's a different defense going up against Lamar Jackson. Now, I will say Desmond King was part of the Chargers team that beat Lamar Jackson in the playoffs his rookie year. And Jadeveon Clowney had a chance to play against Lamar last year when the Seahawks lost 30-14 to to the Ravens. So it's not like these the newcomers have never seen Lamar's like dazzling abilities in the in the flesh or whatever, but it's not the same defense that shut the, that shut him down last year. I didn't even mention Dean Pease. No, it's certainly not the same defense. But on the flip side, and that's why you know this matchup is, has lost some of the shine in my opinion. It's not the same offense, right? Lamar Jackson is 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 struggling. Obviously, you know he hasn't been terrible, but he's certainly struggling compared to being the MVP last year and leading this team to a, a fourteen and two record. They've already lost more games this year than they lost all of last year. Right. And we got a ton of football left to play. So it'll be again, it'll be interesting because this matchup, you know, we all circled it on our calendars at the beginning of the year when the schedule came out, said, wow, this is going to, you know, this is, how is this not in prime time? Is, is one thing we all said, right? Rematch from the playoffs, what a game that was, the revenge factor for the Ravens. And look, all those storylines are still very much alive. But I think we can all agree that both teams are heading into this game um, in a manner that we did not expect them to head into this game like, right? This, this is just totally different from what we thought, um, you know, what point these teams would be at in the season. So this is very surprising to see both of them struggling so much right now. And, and both of them, I'll tell you what, both these teams, they need it really bad. They both need a win really, really bad. Right. If the Titans lose this game, six and four with another matchup against the Colts on deck, that is going to be really hard to to come back from, especially with how well the Raiders and the Dolphins are playing. They get to play the Browns, but if they lose that game, that could be huge for playoff seeding coming up. So again, I mean, can't stress it enough. This is a really huge game. And when you look at how the Titans were able to beat the Ravens last year, there was a lot of turnover. I mean, how many turnovers did Lamar have in that game? Three, two interceptions and a fumble, I think. I mean... I'm not going to say those are fluky plays, but like two interceptions and a fumble, a strip sack fumble, like you don't go into a game banking that we're going to beat this team by strip sacking the quarterback and intercepting deflected passes. Like that's not a game plan for uh, beating an opponent, right? You hope you can pull that off. And most of the time turnovers do end up deciding a game. But, you know, so there was a lot that happened in that game that wasn't necessarily like the Titans did outplay Baltimore that night, but I don't know that it was a 28 to 12 beatdown necessarily. You know, Lamar Jackson racked up over 500 yards of offense in that game. So I think that we're looking at what's going to be a really tough slugfest. Now, some key matchups that could decide the outcome are the Titans offensive line going against the Ravens defensive line, absent Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams, their big nose tackle, was a free agent a few years ago that Titans fans were all excited about his free agency, and then he ended up re-signing with Baltimore. And Calais Campbell, they traded for in the offseason. I don't want to say 100% to stop Derrick Henry, but like it felt almost like the main reason they acquired him was because of Derrick Henry running through their defense in the playoffs. So without those guys on, on the front for Baltimore, I actually do like Tennessee's chances of being able to move the ball on the ground, just like we saw New England do to Baltimore last Sunday. Yeah, you certainly, it certainly feels like I agree that the Calais Campbell acquisition 
um, was was probably made with Derrick Henry in mind. And it wasn't the only acquisition they made to beef up the middle of that defense, right? They drafted Patrick Queen in the first round. You know, I know he's a, a bit on, undersized, but they went out and got a linebacker, right, in the first round to play up the middle of that defense. So, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it hasn't gone to plan. And, and both Campbell and Williams look like they may be out for this game. They're both injured. Uh, and we saw, again, the way New England ran the ball all over them last week. And you have to think the game plan for Tennessee is pretty simple, right? Uh, give the ball to Derrick Henry and, and watch him prosper. Yeah. And even though all these offensive linemen for the Titans are banged up dealing with injuries this week, like we said earlier, I do think they will all end up playing. So I think that the Titans do have a chance to to really control the tempo in this game and try to run the ball on the ground. But if they get out of sync, like we've seen this offense do the past few weeks where, you know, it feels like one incompletion on first down when, when second and 10 hits, it's almost like, uh, uh Oh, is that the end of this drive now? Like, been a lot of drives stalling out after an incompletion on first down. And when they gain yards on first down, whether it's a eight yard pass to the sideline or a little over route, dig route to AJ Brown, or just like a simple Henry handoff, I feel like the offense has been staying on track, but so I do like the, their odds of being able to do that against Baltimore with, with that big hole in the middle of the defense. But when you look at the other side of the field, Ronnie Stanley for the Ravens is out Looking at what Harold Landry is going to be able to do against, if it's Orlando Brown on the left side, I think he's been moved over there. Remember Orlando Brown's big flaw coming out of college was his foot speed, his athleticism. He's a huge guy. He's got long arms. He's technically sound. He's a, He's been playing great for the Ravens since they drafted him out of Oklahoma. But Landry with that speed rush, could we see a third and, third and a half sack for Landry this week? I'm never going to count sacks uh, right now on this team before I see them happen. So you'd like to see it, but look, Orlando Brown, I remember that whole uh, kerfuffle, so to speak with his foot speed. <laughs> I remember I interviewed him when he was coming out of Oklahoma. I thought he was wow. a terrific player. I had a really good time um, uh, interviewing him. And then the combine happened, right? I think the combine, I believe the combine happened after I interviewed him. I, I, I want to say that's obviously been several years, but that's what I recall. And that was just, uh, it was obviously a disastrous performance for, him but look how he's rebounded he's been a terrific offensive tackle he it, it's really laughable you know how good of a prospect he was and then how everyone just you know shit on him uh based on the 40 <laughs> yard dash time and and he's been terrific so it, it, it's funny how that works but he's a hell of a player the foot speed is not a problem for him at all at least it hasn't really been an issue that has seen him you know that he's routinely struggled with at the nfl level so landry will have his plate full on sunday and I want to ask you about what your thought. I mean, we're just totally kind of speculating and guessing here, but Malcolm Butler's been doing this thing where he shadows receivers a lot this year. They didn't do that last Thursday against Indianapolis. Maybe that's because they felt like Indy doesn't have like one go-to receiver, which is fair. Or maybe it was a skill set thing, you know, like they didn't want to put Butler on Michael Pittman if Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton were going to be targeted the most. Who knows what, right? But do you think that – I don't think – I mean, the Ravens are kind of similar in their receiving core, but I don't think – this doesn't feel like a Malcolm Butler shadow game. What do you think? No, I, I don't think it is either. No, I, I don't see this as being a game where you would use Malcolm Butler to shadow any opposing receiver. Mark Andrews, though, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been great this year. They have been using him a lot, but that usage is about to shoot up with uh, with Nick Boyle out for the season. I know Boyle's a great blocking tight end, but uh, for whatever reason, Mark Andrews' usage is way down this year. But I expect it to be up big time in this game. It'll be interesting to see how you know guys who have struggled in coverage, guys like Jayon Brown, guys like Rashawn Evans, guys like Kevin Byard. It'll be interesting to see how they do uh with with mark andrews on sunday 
And if you check out broadwaysportsmedia.com right now, Superhorn, Bill has a free article up analyzing how Kevin Byard matched up one-on-one with Mark Andrews in that playoff game last year. So I will be interested to see if they do something like that. They haven't really been using Byard in a man-on-man role at all this year. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but he was able to shut down Mark Andrews last year. This uh, Ravens picked up Luke Wilson, former Seahawks tight end, because their offense is pretty predicated on running a lot of those two tight end sets and using the tight ends as blockers. And like you said, Andrews is like the last healthy guy with Nick Boyle now out for the year. So we'll see if he gets worked into the game at all. But I mean, the Ravens offense, we've said it already, isn't the same offense it has been or it was last year. They really, it feels like Lamar Jackson, like they want him to be a pocket passer. Maybe it's to take that next step in his development. But you know, his, his, impressive skill is with his legs and he can throw the ball fine but he's not gonna kill you from the pocket the way like Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger Patrick Mahomes or any you know he's not a he's not Peyton Manning in the pocket you know he's not even Philip Rivers like he's a mobile quarterback that they're forcing to play in the pocket so it'll be interesting to see like I almost think the Ravens beat themselves against the Patriots last week just because like Maybe they're trying to outsmart the other team or outsmarting themselves. Like they don't want to be the predictable offense that Lamar Jackson a few weeks ago after they lost to the Raven or after they lost to the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson said something like, I think the Titans laid the blue laid the blueprint for how to beat us. And it's almost yeah. like they're trying to not fall into the trap of letting defenses beat them. But like against New England, they had a great drive. They ran the ball down their throats, like ran it all the way down the field, and it felt like they never came back to that style of offense. So you almost feel like they are they're going to do the Titans a favor by trying to pass more than they really should. It'll be interesting to see and that and that Lamar quote exactly was I remember I remember it so vividly someone asked him uh, what what did Kansas City do on defense that you saw out there and he basically said uh, the same thing that Tennessee did honestly. Uh, those were his exact words so it was very 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 honest of him and very telling he probably shouldn't have said it but uh, but anyway <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting how the Ravens attack this game because you know uh, Mark Ingram is back uh, he's healthy-ish. Uh, Gus Edwards is running the ball well as of late and, and did so in Ingram's absence. And of course, J.K. Dobbins is, is an electric rookie uh, who, who I think you know uh, they should be using more. But it seems like Gus Edwards uh, saw a lot of the work, especially at the goal line uh, when Ingram was out injured. So but this is a three-headed uh, monster. You know, they got three very good running backs. All three of them should be active on Sunday and they should mix them all into the game. And honestly, with the way the Titans have struggled to stop the run at times, you know, we've talked about that, you and I. Uh, it feels like it's an issue that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, gone under the flown under the rug a little bit because teams are passing the ball so well on the Titans. Uh, they're not running it as much as they should, but uh, I, I can see Baltimore trying to lean heavily on the run game uh, here. And, and honestly, I can see them doing so with, with great success. If they yeah, commit given, to it. Given how the Titans run fits have been so poor this year. I do think we're going to see, they've been talking a lot about moving Rashawn Evans to in a more of a full-time, not more of a full-time, but at least more of an outside linebacker, role which i think would free up him from having to you know superhorn writes about it every week in the defensive all 22 review but he says like it feels like Rashawn's head is spinning out there he doesn't know if he's supposed to shoot which gap he's supposed to shoot if he's supposed to stay sound or if he's supposed to go make a play or if he's not getting downhill quick enough or if he's getting downhill too quickly or you know he can't seem to make the right decision from that middle linebacker position so i'm pretty concerned about him going up against such a run heavy unit especially one where you're like trying to force Lamar to make a certain read like whether it's 
I think the the idea is that you want him to hand it off every time. So you crash that or you stay home on that edge and force him to hand it off. But, you know, it's going to be tough to see how these linebackers play. Again, we're going to miss David Long in this game. I think David Long was so good against the Ravens last year. And another interesting thing, Dane Crookshank played a lot in this game last year. And what's his stat? Is he on IR right now? <laughs> yeah, Dane Crookshank's season is over. He, he was yeah, placed so... on season-ending IR because he was originally, I believe, on the three-week IR, right? And you, you right, only put came one player back. on there once. So, yeah, they've had to put again. him on season-ending IR. So his season is done. And he, he was like the Titans wanted to go with that heavy defensive back package last year. Again, Dean Pease is gone. Different defensive coordinator is pretty different, I think. Mike wrote about this on BarberSourceMedia.com uh, Thursday, but that podcast that Dean Pease was on recently, breaking down, like they asked him about his time in New England, his time with Mike Vrabel, and talking about how much time Mike Vrabel spent in the offensive meeting rooms last year and how he didn't really spend a lot of time with the defense and that he kind of let Dean Pease coordinate the defense, which makes me wonder, like, what the heck's going on this year? Either Shane Bowen is the he's being left to his own devices, right? Maybe with some help or oversight from Jim Hazlitt or maybe not. Who knows? And then, you know, Vrabel's doing the same thing he's been doing in the offense or Vrabel's taking on a major role as the defensive coordinator that he wasn't doing last year. So regardless, the defense is different this year, not just because they've been playing way worse, but I think the scheme is legitimately different. So I'll be interested to see how they end up deploying this defense against the Ravens team when last year's schematic game plan worked so well, you know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it, right? Uh, like you said, um, it, it seems like what they should do is is stick to what works, right? And and again, it's not like there isn't evidence of it working this year, right? Lamar flat out said that Kansas City did the same thing. So it'll be interesting to see if they stick to it or, or, or what changes they make. Yeah. Well, let's close this up with our final predictions and expectations. I think this is a classic two teams trying to run the ball down each other's throats, which means you're going to have three and outs and you're going to have long drives where they run the ball the whole time, and it's probably going to be on the lower scoring side because of that. And I would probably venture a guess somewhere around the 24 to 20 range. Can I pick the Titans to win a game? I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I feel like, uh, (laughs) you know, as down as I am on this team right now, I am going to pick them to win this game for a couple of reasons. I think Baltimore is struggling just a bit more right now than Tennessee is. And I really like the Titans with, with all this uh, time that they have to plan for this game. Uh, We've seen Mike Rabel's record uh, in situations like this. It's terrific. I I think the only game he's ever lost with this much time to plan was the, was his first ever game, right? Was the one against the dolphins, uh, which was obviously, if you remember an eight, nine hour game was a marathon due to the weather, Uh, just a horrible experience that was, but um, in other, situations he's actually uh typically won these games by a lot uh right we we saw the cleveland browns game where he blew them out of the water uh week one last season so typically i think the titans do a real good job preparing for games when they have 10 plus days or so to prepare so i I do like tennessee in this one last year the atlanta falcons 28 14 win the offense is pretty much their best game under marcus Mariota, besides maybe that cleveland game uh, came after the Thursday night game against Jacksonville. So, yeah, I mean, you're onto something there with the Mike Rabel thing. Let's do it. Let's pick the Titans to win. This is a pro Titans podcast, and we're here to build up the optimism and excitement. And that way, everything can come crashing back down in horrible disappointment again. Because if you don't build up the optimism and excitement, you can't be disappointed. 
there it goes, right? <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> when you think you're out, they pull you back in. So it, it'll be an interesting <laughs> exactly. one. And you know what? It's now or never for the Titans to make some changes because if they think that what they've been doing is just going to keep working, then they, this is not a playoff team. That's just the, the basic facts of it. So we'll see what happens. Yep. All right, that'll do it for the Music City Audible this week, previewing the Baltimore Ravens. Make sure to go check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have tons of preview articles up, breakdowns, everything you could possibly want, covering the Titans, covering the sports betting landscape. I'm writing my best bets piece, which, you know what? I've been on a bit of a cold streak, but that's what happens after a hot streak. We were on a hot streak. Now we're on a bit of a cold streak. We're going to bounce back this weekend, so make sure to check out my best bets article on Sunday morning. All kinds of other podcasts from Broadway Sports and 440 Sports that guys on F-Words Pod know Zach this week. So Mike and Lebowski really got into the, the the issues on this Titans team and if they're fixable or not. I think that's a great listen. Highly recommend it. The Coach's Corner guys had some interesting philosophical discussions. I'm particularly uh, interested in how what they think of this Titans team going forward from a, from a team building standpoint. Make sure you check out Coach's Corner this week and all the other great podcasts that Broadway Sports has to offer on broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Follow Justin specifically at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. That'll do it for this week. We'll be back to preview the Colts game next week. It's it's our only Colts preview because we didn't preview the last one. So good for us, I guess. That's fun. All righty. Till then, tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.